You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What did it take to survive an ancient siege? Why was the cult of Dionysus behind so many slave revolts in ancient Rome? What's the tragic history and mythology behind Japan's most haunted ancient forest? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. Join us to explore ancient history and mythology from a fun, sometimes tipsy perspective. Find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jenny Williamson. And I'm Jen McMenemy. And we're from Ancient History Fangirl. So you're about to tune into Queen's podcast and we're here to just give you a heads up. These two swear like a lot. Like a whole lot? So if that's not your thing, this may not be the podcast for you. But if it is your thing, you're in the right place. And if you like your history tipsy and interspersed with F-bombs, you might like us too. Check out Ancient History Fangirl wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Pump up the jam. Pump it up. up. Why your feet are stomping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pump it, pump it. I don't know the words. But today we are talking about Madame de Pompadour. Jeanne Antoinette de Poisson. More famously known as Madame Pompadour. <laughs> and she was the official mistress of Louis XV of France for many, many years. One of the most powerful women in uh, Europe in the 18th century. So let's give, like, a little physical description of her so that you can, like, envision her in your mind. She's She's just fucking hot, okay? She's hot. She's tall. (laughs) She's slim. She's proportioned. She's graceful with her movements. Her face was shaped in a perfect oval. Her hair was light brown. And when she smiled, revealed flawless white teeth and dimpled cheeks. Me, 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 me. And dimpled cheeks. Me. I'm beautiful. I'm better than the pompadour. Me. She once had a quote saying that the only wine that makes women more beautiful is champagne. So today, we are drinking champagne. Of course, in fancy pink glasses. In fancy pants pink glasses that my grandmother gave me for my wedding. I think... I think Madame would approve. Yes, she would. So, so let's talk on about, to it. Let's talk about the political times there. Jeanne was born in Paris. Jeanne-Antoinette Poisson. Poisson was born to a bourgeois class, which was pretty new in France. It just means like upper middle class. Yeah, there were a bunch of rich bankers and financiers. They weren't nobility, like but they also weren't like farmers. So yeah, that's what bourgeoisie means. Yeah. It's, it's just basically the upper middle class yeah. of France. Correcto mundo. Correcto mundo. She was born to this well-known, beautiful woman and... Like, the prettiest girl in her town type thing. Like, just... And her father's name was Francois Poisson. So Poisson means fish. Yes. And what this made me think of was like in The Little Mermaid, whenever the, <laughs> the little chef, he's like, Les poissons, les poissons, how I love les poissons. You know, he's like, hee hee hee, ha ha That's where I'm going to be getting my pronunciations today. Basically, in English, his name was Frank Fish. And so she was Jean Fish. 
and <laughs> it doesn't sound bougie, but you know what? She was so bad and bougie. Yeah, so fish, like, I think I mentioned that fish means, like, really pretty in the gay community. Oh, like, really? if you're a drag queen and you're fishy, like you're that means you're feminine pretty? Yeah, you look oh. like a woman because you're like another fish in the sea. So that's what, anytime that I read the poisson, I was like, ooh, that girl is fishy. That girl is fishy. Is, I didn't know that. She is fine. Taught me something new today. <laughs> Her dad is, like, this rich banker, financer, and he actually makes, like, this really bad deal with, like, wheat and grain, and it really wasn't his fault. Like you do in the 18th century. It really wasn't his fault. He actually worked for these Paris brothers who actually uh, ended up throwing him under the bus and saying, oh, it's all his fault. So Blame it on the fish! Yeah, blame it on the fish! And in France, whenever you had debts to pay and you made a bad deal, then... You could get killed. Yeah, killed. Straight up, like, I'm so glad that's not the case anymore. I'm just imagining, like, knock, knock, knock on the door. Like, hey, Katie, sorry, you are two weeks behind on your car payment. Off with your head. To the guillotine with you. <laughs> but anyway, Frank gets run out of town. He, like, runs off to Germany, I to believe. To Germany. Yeah. So... Her stepdaddy takes Her in. stepdad... Steps in, and it's believed that it's possible that this is actually her biological father. Nathan, I'm going to let you say this name. Uh, Charles-Francois Paul Normand de Terim. And I'm just going to call him Stepdad, because that's too much name for me to handle. It's <laughs> a lot of name. On glass two of champagne. <laughs> uh, Nathan and- went in through all the notes and put in, like, phonetical pronunciations for me on all the French names, which I really appreciate because I was at first feeling like Joey in that episode of Friends where Phoebe tries to teach him uh, Je m'appelle Claude. She's like, je m'appelle Claude. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And that's how I felt during studying. So thank you very much, Nathan. <laughs> for going going in, dumbing it down. So her stepdad, uh, Charles-Francois Paul de Dumont to turn to him, whatever. Stepdaddy. <laughs> He takes over her education and her guardianship. He really he loved her lo- and her mom. I That's, mean, her mom had a couple side pieces, but she was—he was like her yeah, favorite, her main bitch. <laughs> and even if she wasn't his biological daughter, he he treated her that way. So yeah. whether or not he really did love her. So unlike a lot of the queens we talk about, this particular person had an amazing childhood she was loved she had three parents that loved her and she was spoiled and that's a rarity three parents three parents (laughs) and she had a really good education yeah they sent her off at age five to a convent to go you know learn the to be a christian wife which at this time was a good place to go because a lot of times you think being like sent to a convent to like have a really strict upbringing no this was like a good place to send your kids to get educated or your daughters on how to be a good wife. And she gained the reputation there by her teachers. Like right away. Of being like super witty, super and funny and truthful, right. blunt. Like, yeah, like she like would tell you like if, um, hey, you know what? You're not doing too good at this subject. It might not be your thing. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, if yeah. she's like, hey. For do a five-year-old I, to gain that reputation. <laughs> do I look fat in this? She'd be like, yes. Yes. You look like what were you thinking? Go home and get dressed again. Horizontal stripes. Ugh. Oh, come on. She was... She never, I, she, she never had the best health. No, she was always sick. It's going to be and, a recurring thing. And see, I read that it was only one year... Within a year of her being at school, she got sick and got sent home. And but. I read when she was nine, which would have been four years later. 
So, but, but regardless, honestly, it doesn't matter. Regardless, she was sent home early due to poor health. And then her stepdaddy ended up appointing all these actors and painters. Yeah. And they were like, let's continue her education when she gets home. But it was like solely focused on the arts. I feel like it's like something that she would want. Yeah. Like as a kid, like that's what she wanted. She, and he was like, okay, we'll they do hired what you want. Prefer- professional actors to come in. And while they taught her how to act, yes, they also taught her languages and stuff and, like, how to do proper pronunciations and um, music teachers. She learned to play the harp and the piano. Dancing, singing, drawing. Uh, She was a jack of all trades. She really got... I mean, to me, that sounds... She went to art school, basically. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically. She went to Juilliard. When she was nine years old, her mom was like, look... My daughter's got some potential. I want to know what her future holds. And so she brought her to a fortune teller. Which I think is fun. Yeah, cool. it's totally cool. And the fortune teller told her she's going to reign over the heart of the king one she day. She didn't say, like, what king? She didn't. I mean, obviously everyone assumed the French king. Because that's where she was living. That's where she was living. <laughs> From then on, everyone called her Renette in her family, which yeah. means little, little queen. Even her mom would, like, walk around and be like, she's fit for a king. Like, that's kind of weird. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> I couldn't find weird. it in any of my research, but in the History Chicks, which is one of my favorite podcasts, if you have not listened to it, you should. They say that they called her a little morsel for the king, which is one of her nicknames. They're nine-year-old. Ooh. What? what? Vomit. <laughs> and actually, after, you know, like 20 years later or something, she she dies and leaves her like 600 livres for yeah. like predicting that fortune the teller. She left that fortune teller an inheritance. She was like, here you go. You were right, bitch. You set me on the right track. Thank you. you know? All right, so. In France, if you wanted to get anything done, you had to be married. So skip ahead a bit. She's 19. And they're like, all right, we want her to enter society, so she's got to have a husband. Because a single woman can't just start going to parties and going to balls and no, stuff No, she's got to be accompanied by a husband. She's got to have a husband. So she's smoking hot. She's Beautiful. 19 years old. And she's funny. She's smart. She's Talented. witty. Like- and she can, she can find a man, but... Her stepdaddy mm-hmm. ends up stepping in and is the, like, hmm, my favorite nephew is also single and about your age. So maybe y'all should check it up. And that's what happened. At first, hubby to be was like, you're going to marry me to Frank Fish's daughter? I don't think so. And then he saw her and he was like, that'll do. That'll do, Pete. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> she was beautiful. And then also he got this huge, like, dowry for her. And she they were given an estate. Yeah, it was called the uh, the Estate of Etiole. And so they became Madame Etiole and Monsieur, Monsieur Etiole, which was normal for all nobility across Europe. Like, yeah, once you inherited a bunch of land, basically once that you had land, an estate, it became your last name. That, yeah, so cool. Now that she's married, um, she can enter to society. And her and her husband, they had a loving marriage. Do you think it was for love or for money? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, okay, I think money coaxed him into it, but he did fall in love Yeah, whenever he saw her, he was like, like, whoa. whoa." She even told him, she was like, I will never leave you unless it's for the king. Which I'm sure they followed that up with a big I'm sure he was like, LOL, LOL, LOL. Ah, 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 ah. So foreshadowing, that's getting ahead of ourselves there. (laughs) 
they had two kids. Well, she had several miscarriages. Yeah, Which, again, will be something that plagues her through the rest of her life. She was never super, like, little Miss Fertile. Yeah, the boy died in infancy. The girl who lived on, her name was called Alexandrine, which they called... They called her Fan Fan was her nickname. I don't fucking know, but whatever. (laughs) Let's just roll with it. Fan Fan lived. And she was actually quoted on later on about her daughter being like, I'm far from wishing her an exceptional face. It only turns the entire female race against you. I'm better pompadour. I'm so pretty. And it's all giving me so much grief in my life. Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. Hate, hate, hate. <laughs> we keep, we keep today, me and Nathan keep singing Taylor Swift, and neither of us likes Taylor Swift. I don't know. I don't know why I don't, I oh, sorry if you're listening, Taylor Swift. I'm sorry. We do not care for you. <laughs> <laughs> so now that she's so married. So now she's married, and Taylor Swift is no part of it. She can be in society, and, and namely, she can start hosting her own uh, salons. What is a salon? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> well, a salon is basically an intellectual meeting with the famous philosophers, artists, so it's a, painters. It's a, it's a meetup for smart people in the 18th century. Yes, but yes. it's run by the females. They would be like, yeah. hey, yo, come over to my house. Let's embroider some stuff and talk some philosophy and talk some art. Oh, this made me think of something we forgot <laughs> to mention back in her education. Um... What was the club called that she was in? Uh, Club de... Gotta hear somewhere. Club de, de l'Estrop. There you go. There so um, that's something that we forgot to mention that is pretty cool. Um, it was basically like a political think tank. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, yeah, it and was... she, met, she met like Voltaire there. Yeah, and so um, it was like all these prominent men would get together and talk and think about... Um, talk about like economic issues and politics and this and that and she was allowed to be part of it as an unofficial member and I think there was only two other women that were allowed to be unofficial members and that's when she was like 14 right or something and so these salons so these salons must are, have been like a next to like second same, nature it's the to same her thing. And, and like, except in salons you would have the women would invite people over yeah the women were the ones that took charge of it feminist and she was a popular host popular person to throw these parties she was always uh, of course these these adjectives always come in to describe her beautiful, beautiful smart funny, witty funny. talented she knows how to throw a party party I wish, I wish we could hang out with her. I think I she'd know. like us. I, I think. know. <laughs> I think I'd be buddies with Voltaire, even though he drank forty cups of coffee a day. That's too much. That's too much. <laughs> though, listener Sonia, who actually suggested this episode, whenever I posted, like, "Who do y'all want to hear next?" She was like, "Madame de Pompadour," and so I was like, "Yes, listener Sonia." She pointed out that French coffee cups were like little espresso, much cups. smaller. So it's not like he was drinking like. 40, 16 ounces cups a day. American cups of coffee. He was drinking like these little bitty, a little bitty cups. Yeah, so it's probably around seven or eight cups of coffee yeah. a day. Maybe even more. Maybe um, still. still more than seven yeah, or eight cups of coffee yeah, a day. Yeah. He, was, <laughs> he was still geeked out. He was drinking a lot of coffee. We have digressed. Her and Voltaire, her and Voltaire remain buddies till the end of the day. But her main and primary focus now is to catch the eye of the king. I've got to meet the king. And you know what? From hosting these salons and being such like a popular host at them, word gets around that she's awesome. He's like, who is this 
beautiful, funny, smart woman I keep hearing about. So, so how do you catch the eye of a king? So, okay. She went to watch him hunt? <laughs> that, 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 that's a thing. <laughs> I think she needed to, like, get an Evite to one of his, like, fucking masquerade <laughs> balls. But and in so the meantime. I, I think we're on to something. Maybe if she goes and watches him hunt. Yes. She can catch his eye. Their land was, so let me back up. A big fun thing for nobility to do, like an outing. Like now, if we all wanted to get out and do something, we'd all go hiking. Back then, they were like, yeah, but we got to kill something too. Yeah, let's go hunting. So they would go hunting. All the nobility would get up on their noble horses and go hunting. Noble horses, were they like knighted? Yes. (laughs) So Sir Sir Freckles the horse. (laughs) Was having a gallop in the woods one day. But like, so there was land that only the king could hunt on. And um, only nobility could join him on the hunt, but people of her class, of the bourgeois class, were invited to come watch. And so she was like, this is my chance. And the words of Lin-Manuel Miranda a la Alexander Hamilton. I'm not throwing away my shot. So <laughs> she gets a blue carriage and puts on a pink dress. She is looking good. So that's day one. She gets a blue carriage, puts on a pink dress, and rides her carriage out into the middle of, like, where they're hunting. And I can just see her, like, leaned up against the carriage, like, oh, this old thing? Oh, this old thing? Oh, I just got and this yesterday. she stops in the middle of where they're hunting, where they're not supposed to stop. You're not supposed to be on that path unless you're nobility. She stops for, like, three seconds, makes eye contact with the king, and then rides off to the sideline where she's allowed to be. Like, if she would have stopped for four seconds, it would have been scandal. <laughs> but because it was just, like, a heartbeat, Made eye contact with the king, and she was like, cool. Walked away. He's seen me. Drama. And then the next day, <laughs> she does the exact same fucking thing. Except, except she wears the opposite colors. And the opposite color uh, carriage. So it was a blue dress with a pink carriage now. And so he, uh, after that, he was just like, you know what? Send that bitch some meat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> She's got plenty of accessories. Send her yeah. some meat. Send her some meat. So he sends her, like, um, whatever they caught that day. I think it, the, it said venison. Yes, which, venison, which is deer. What? Uh, I'm vegetarian. But yeah, anyway, she's vegetarian. Um, I th- if somebody sent me some meat, I would not be excited. But she was like, if, fuck if, yes. If they sent me meat, I'd be like, do you need me to clean off the bone? Ew. <laughs> that was the grossest thing you've ever said. Let's pretend this I'm never sorry. happened. Let's black that out. <laughs> and move on. So, so she he sends her the venison. Dude, Louis already got an official mistress. What's her name? Uh, Marie Anne de Mailly. So Marie Anne sends sends Jean Fish here a note, and it's like, "Look, Jean Fish, I need." You to back the fuck off. Stay in your lane. You don't know what you're playing around with. Get off my man. But then Marie Ann dies like two months later. I guess she's no longer in the picture. Fair game. So, I mean, he was heartbroken that his uh, mistress died. I mean, he loved it me my yay a little bit. Let's talk about that mistress's family for a hot little minute, uh, right? Because this was so... Um, Louis had been faithful to his wife for a little bit, and then once he decided to take up a mistress, he had four mistresses in a row 
that were all sisters. How fucking gross is that? What? Like, I'm sorry, my first instinct is not to sleep with your sister no. after you die. I mean, for me, it would be like your brother. Yeah, but, but I mean, still, still like, smooth. No, thank you. Whatever. I, mean, I don't want to keep it in the family. Mm-mm. But apparently, Louis did, except for the last one. He did not. Yeah, for there some were five re- sisters. He only hooked up with four of them. I think after that fifth one, um, he wanted a change of pace. Or, or he just met Madame Pompey and was like, yeah. damn, this bitch is fun. So, speaking of which, uh, a few months after. Uh, and Marie Anne's death. Madame, not Madame de Pompey, Jeannie Fish gets her official invitation to a masquerade hosted by the king. And Louis would throw these masquerade balls all the time. And what I found is that, like, the reason that he liked them is because he was able to hide. Because he didn't really like being king. He was a social, he had, like, social anxiety is what I read. He was kind of shy, and he hated all of the formality of the court. So he liked to dress up, and he dressed up with his men as a youth tree. I had to Google what the fuck a yew tree was. And so did I. But no, it was a trimmed yew tree. So it's one of those trees that they put in shapes, I think like Edward Scissorhands. So what I read, like a, a yew tree is a is a conifer, and a conifer is like a Christmas tree. Oh, okay. But okay. It's, so it's got that like piney feel to it, so you can like trim the tree to make it look decorative yeah. well, and like, all that. So um, when you Google it, there is like a painting of them at the yew tree ball as it became known and i don't know it's just fucking weird it's a it's a weird fucking idea for a costume yeah and she actually ended up she, dressing like diana she the huntress came to slay because that alluded diana the huntress alluded to remember when you saw me when you were hunting yeah remember how much you liked me then she was gonna Diana's hunt like her some menses is um, but like, so the king's whole squad dressed as yew trees. So there's like ten yew trees walking around, looking creepy as fuck. <laughs> I mean, the picture that that's there that we it's, have so, here, weird. it's Google, so weird. Just Google like um, yew tree ball or clipped yew tree ball or whatever it's called and see this painting. It's creepy. But um, so. Louis in front of the entire court, and they had met before this, mm. but always not officially. This is the first time of their actual meeting on record. But he, un, like, um, takes off his costume to her, like, unveils himself to her in front of the entire court. And that was basically his way of telling everybody at court, like, this is the girl that I'm into. This is me. I'm the king. I'm not this fucking tree. Let's <laughs> goddamn bone. Like, oh, well, I'm not a tree. I'm really the king. Let's get it on. So obviously now she's... Uh, let's get it. I'm sorry, I wasn't She was... Uh, no, you can keep saying it <laughs> She She basically became the royal mistress because yeah. they were getting it on. Well, uh, that ah! night, that night after the ball, her carriage was seen outside of his... Apartment. Scandalous. I wonder if it was the blue or the pink carriage. I think it was the pink one. Probably. (laughs) So she was actually given the apartment in Versailles right above Louis, which was Marie Anne de Maillis. 
And there was, I read that there was this lifting chair mm-hmm. that would be able to raise you from his apartment up there. And then, like, I read about, you know, like, engineers up there, like, this shit was not safe. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> they were, like, there were no safety precautions. It was like a chair with ropes. <laughs> and they would just, like, really, I can just see her, like, the first time be like, I'm never doing that again. Right. <laughs> I will Bitch. climb the stairs. So, um... <laughs> She filed for legal separation from her husband. Her husband had been out of town when she was invited to this party, like, away on business. And then he comes home to, hey, your wife has left you for the king. And there's different reports. He either vomited or cried. Yeah, and I also read he may have barfed, too. But either way, he was distraught. How is vomited different than barfing? Oh, well, I think of barfing being more violent. (laughs) Sorry, I got real sassy on you there. I was like... Same thing. There's synonyms, bitch. <laughs> and so, to be presented at court, she needed a title. And she was given the title of Madame, Madame de Pompadour. Pompadour. And she even got, like, a coat of arms. And this pissed the nobility off. Because yes! well, th- what I read is that, that the nobility at court had to, like, trace their heritage back to the 1400s to in order to be allowed to be in court. And here this fine girl comes up just out of the blue. Is like, she's like, hey, I'm Jean Fish. I'm going to be the official mistress. My name is now Madame de Pompadour. And everyone bitch. is pissed off because they're like, no, it should have been my sister. Or it should have been my niece. It should have been somebody in my family. They were so pissed off that this commoner was given this. Because it was... It was a title. The official it mistress... Got income. It, got the money. official mistress was an official... Like, there were dukes, there were duchesses, and then there was the official mistress. How do you say it in French? What did they call Maitre it? Maitre en treite. Something like and that. Or was that a... Maitresse en treite. Oh. <laughs> That's fancy. I'm the maitresse. It sounds like mattress en treite. It kind of does. <laughs> but it meant chief mistress. I'm the king's mattress. Oh, So, before she can be, like, actually presented at court, she needs, she needs some schooling. Like, she's had her finishing school, but But to be, to be, like, a financier's wife. Yeah, she needs, she needs to be able to sit properly, eat properly, place her forks in the right way. We talked about with the Catherine of Aragon episode, some of her heraldry, she needed to learn heraldry. So, like, she could try to get into the hearts with these nobodies. So, it's basically just learning who these aristocrats are, their relations between each other, why they're noble, who they're descended upon, all that So, this is, like, um... April, Louis goes away on campaign until September. And when he comes back, she'd always been good at school. She knows everybody. She knows this person, who their grandparents were, what their coat of arms look like. Sit on the right hand side of the cushion, use the left fork with the right wine glass. So (laughs) Louis comes back, exactly. Louis comes back, and it's time to be for her to be formally introduced at court on September 14th. 1745. So she's presented to the king and the queen. And the queen, her name is... Okay, so Polish names, like when you read Polish names, they're really complicated looking. But then whenever you hear it pronounced, it's like, oh, her name was Queen Marie Leszczynska. Leszczynska. Because when you look at it, I'm just like... Consonants don't go together like that. (laughs) That's That's not how words work. That's literally how it is. It's just like 17 consonants in a row, and you're like, what? Huh? Less chain ska. There you go. All right. 
Poor Queen Marie Leschenska. She'd been married to Louis for a long time. They'd been time. married for a long time. And they did have 10 children. And Louis really did respect her. But they just, they had lost that loving feeling. And, um... Is that a Beach Boys reference? Did the Beach like, Boys no. sing that song? You lost love that love. I don't think it was the Beach Boys, though. Whoa, that the love. I think that's pre-Beach Boys. Who is that? PBB. Um... We'll come back to it. <laughs> Here, we're going to Google it real quick. The Righteous Brothers. The Righteous Brothers! <laughs> yes! I can't believe I didn't know that one. Anyway. Not the Beach Boys. Back to Mom. <laughs> the Pompadour. Uh, yeah. So, Thank she, you for going on that journey. <laughs> so, so the queen had ten children by him. They were... I read that she actually couldn't have sex with him unless she was drunk. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't there know was, that. There was I didn't a line research in there. her that much, though. Yeah, but there was a line in the book that I read. Uh, it was Madame de Pompadour, A Life by Evelyn Lever. So I've got to give her shout-outs. And so the and, Polish queen could only bone her husband when she was drunk? Yeah, well, I mean, I couldn't blame her if she was cheating on me. Yeah. Or he was cheating yeah. on me, whatever. Well, either way, they had ten children, and she did really... Um, or Louis did respect her and did have, like, a bit of guilt in his heart about it. Um, and also, his last four mistresses were kind of bitch face motherfuckers to the queen. Yeah, they had like some they would, sticks up their asses. And um, so, oh, and Pompadour was the exact. She opposite. played this so smart. Well, I hate to say she played it so smart. I think she really did kind of feel bad for the queen in a little bit. Yeah, she did. And she was like, "I want her respect. I want her to accept me." So, she would she would send her. I read that she sent her flowers. Yeah. I read that she like set up dates between the two. And actually, one of the times that she sent flowers, she the queen was like, "Hey, I heard you can sing. Maybe you should sing for me." And she did. Yeah. Like she, she did what the queen told You're her to queen. do. You want me to sing? She I'll gave sing. her stuff. Like she was not. But rude. at this official, like her first official entry into court, um, she was presented to the king and queen. And she looked at the queen and, like, bowed to her specifically. And so the court sitting around just waiting for, like, something gossip-worthy to happen. And the queen um, addresses Madame de Pompadour and mentions a mutual friend of theirs. Like, somebody that they both knew. And it's like... And everybody at court was like, oh, she's making friendly conversation with this commoner? They're actually talking about people they know and together? They, and they spoke for like a minute. I mean, it wasn't a long conversation, but it was also not a snub. Yeah, and, because the other four sisters had been snubbed. And the queen was later stated to say, if there must be a mistress, let it be this one. I mean, I mean that is as much acceptance as you're gonna get. Yeah, for the the real, there's a queen having sex with the king, and there's this mistress. I mean, that's a lot. So, so let's talk good, about the king. It was a good start. So King Louis the Fifteenth, um, he was a bit complicated, um, and he had a really sad upbringing. Yeah. He was orphaned, like super super young. His Dad was actually supposed to inherit being king, um, but his dad died when he was a baby, and so then his grandfather died when he was fifteen or five, five, and he became king at age five. And also, his grandfather was great grandfather, great grandfather. It was his great grandfather. Yeah, because his dad died, his grandfather died, and his great shit. His great. So his great grandfather 
was Louis the Fourteenth, who is also known as the Sun King. That's some big shoes. Those to are fill. some big shoes for a fucking five-year-old to fill. And so he was super easily depressed. He was very, and he didn't like court. He didn't. Poor baby, like he had never. Like his mother died when he was so young. He just didn't know nurturing parents. He had been raised down. No, they all died. <laughs> so this poor baby had been thrust into your king at five years old. So he was easily depressed. He did not like court. He ton of pressure. And on I think him. that's a, a one of the reasons he ended up choosing Madame de Pompadour. Is yeah, she's not one of them. She can let her hair down. Yeah, she's if not I, one of if these. If I decide to eat with the wrong fork, she's not going to call me out on it. You know, right? I, I think, think I think that's a lot to do with it. That's a good forking point. That's <laughs> <laughs> fork. Yes. <laughs> so, as the official mistress, um, you know, many of the courtiers just never warmed to her. But it didn't stop her from leaving her fucking mark. I mean, she would still host these small, intimate parties, kind of like the salons, but a little bit smaller. But in her apartments, but every like, other night, like every night, like she was ooh. always doing it. But Louis loved them because he was able to socialize with just a small group of people without all the like prestige of court. So he could just be he could just be himself. He could just chill. And he fucking loved that because he's never really been able to do that before in his life. And you you had read that he, like, visited her apartment, like... Five times a day he would go up there to smash. Like... That's a lot of that sex. That is a lot of exercise. She must have been tired. <laughs> I hope she hydrated properly. <laughs> she also... She hosted these, like, she would put on plays in her house, and she would obviously be the star in her apartment. She called these plays, um, the theater of the small apartment. Okay, and these weren't, like, amateur plays. She'd actually have, like, legit playwrights. Like playwrights legit playwrights actors, and actors. Legit people with her, like. This was no community theater, is what Yeah, this saying. is not anything to roll, like, okay, the courtiers would roll their eyes, but secretly, they were They're like. Oh, not, not secretly, like, um. They would sell out because it was a little bitty apartment. They were fighting for Like, you could only fit, like, 15 audience members or whatever. You know, people would... The courtiers were, like, killing themselves to try to get a ticket. (laughs) Even though behind behind closed doors, they're like, this this commoner is going to be an actress. But then in open, you know, they're like, oh, no, I want a ticket, I want a ticket. That's my ticket, you know? (laughs) And something else that I found really interesting is, like, she got the king interested into architecture. Yeah, that was, like, their main hobby. Yeah, and what I'd read is that initially she had appointed her stepdad, Turnham, to the director of the king's buildings with her brother as the heir to that. Once Turnham died, her brother Abel actually inherited that business, and and all they did was like go around and be like, mm, "Let's renovate this fancy." Yeah, building. they'd like buy a chateau and basically flip it in modern terms. So her, the king, and her brother, they were like basically running one of those like TLC shows. I honestly think that if I were to assign Madame de Pompadour an occupation in the modern age, if I were to give her a job now, I would make her my interior designer. Ooh. Because she yeah. she did all of that like engraving and painting yeah. and ornamental work. She had an eye for it. Renovating buildings and like that was totally her job. She she was very tasteful and still to this day this I mean, part of French history is known for its beautiful architecture. I mean they expanded on Versailles. Yeah. They made it huge and even more beautiful. 
uh, they built chateaus and employed all these arts, artistic yeah, they would people like and designers. Go and find and, the best architectures and designers of the time, and they would they wouldn't just be like, okay, come in and do your thing. They would watch them do their work. They weren't just interested in the outcome. They were interested in the process. In the process. Yeah. And that was a lot of what she did. And, and, and that she... wasn't normal for a king. They mm-hmm. were usually just like, do the work, make it happen. But instead, he would stand around and be like, oh, so he does this and this. And so that makes this whole, you know. So they understood. She was also like a huge patronage of the arts. Um, she, she championed Voltaire. And he became... The official historian to the king. And what I read is that one time Voltaire wrote such a beautiful poem about her, and it pissed the Dauphin off, mm-hmm. aka Prince, aka yeah. Dauphin. <laughs> Dauphin means Dauphin, yeah. but that means the prince, the yeah. young prince. He, Voltaire wrote this poem that pissed off the prince so much that he started calling her Maman Poutin. Which means like mother whore. Mother of whores, not mother of dragons, mother of whores. Oh. Like so horrible, like a little kid what a, calling. What a douchebag. <laughs> anyway, she had a personal library with at least 3,500 books in it. She personally championed this porcelain designer, Sevu. Sevra. Sevra. So I kept hearing about this porcelain that she brought up and that she like loved so much and made popular. And so I was thinking about <laughs> porcelain dolls. Like I was like, what the fuck is this? So I Googled it. No, this is some fancy fucking shit. They're vases. Like <laughs> they're not vases. Well, they're they're, all, they're vases <laughs> and plates and like fine china or whatever. But I Googled it and like a set uh, like one vase of the Savrua <laughs> or whatever you um, goes for like forty five hundred dollars right it's now. It's not cheap. They Super fucking are expensive. Expensive. Google it. Do it. It's spelled S E V R E with a little apostrophe. On top oh, of it. Well, hi, the the yep. a mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Apart from the porcelain, she actually engraved a lot of jewels, yeah. precious stones. There were sixty three to be exact, and she was one of the few people that actually like cataloged yeah. it and had people like draw pictures of it and describe it because she knew people are gonna want to know about this one day yeah and yeah. she actually got people to like art artists to like commission new colors for her like there was a uh, celestial blue and pompadour pink of course of course and and the reason i include there's many more but the reasons i included that was because the carriage was e- blue the dress was pink it makes me think of is that cinderella with the fairies that are like blue Pink. Pink. (laughs) I love this. So she was so into the encyclopedia. France didn't have an encyclopedia yet, and she was like, we need this. Um, But the religious people in the country were against it because religious people hate science. They never got along. Still today, a lot of the religious people hate science. Yeah, it totally makes me think of, like, climate change. Yeah. (laughs) And so in this scenario, the religious sect in France was, like, I don't know, like Donald Trump. And she was Bill Nye, being like, no, science is real. It's real. And it's so funny. It's like sometimes they're literally like, I've read somewhere that like, oh, if the people have knowledge, then their morals will start to be loose. So it's like basically keep them dumb and they do what you want them to do. Like, it's so sad. But anyway, she was like Bill Nye and she believed in science and knowledge. And and she she got it done. She commissioned the encyclopedia. It's the first encyclopedia. Yeah. 
in of France. Yeah, absolutely. And they um, so so they were together for twenty years, but only romantically for five. Yeah, her and the king were only having sex for five years. But... She suffered three miscarriages. Um, he was still into like super into her physically, but it was her that just she just couldn't. I think it she was just, like female problems. She yeah, had some she issues. had some gynecological problems. Um, then she would she would eat like all these weird she, ass things. She would try to keep her libido up because he was like coming at her five times a day. I'm sorry, five That's times a day much. for five years. That's be, too much. I'd be done too. Get off me. So the things that she that at the time were believed to raise your libido were vanilla. Now keep in mind, vanilla when it's just drink in regular form is fucking gross yeah it's nasty celery which i hate celery so i couldn't imagine <laughs> and truffles not chocolate truffles truffle mushrooms yeah so she was eating vanilla celery truffle mushrooms she smelt a hot mess <laughs> gag she would also take like these potions that her physicians would bring her and physicians are in quotation mark because <laughs> they were probably just booze which i mean hey that i think booze is the reason most single people get laid so no, like, no, 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 it worked <laughs> you know i'm sure that worked for a while but in the winter of 1751 she makes it official that I am just friend of the king. I mean, she does keep the official title. She of keeps mistress. the official title of maîtresse en treat. But she even sing, sends a letter to the pope saying, "Basically, I'm no longer sleeping with the king." And he's I'm, like, "Whatever, TMI, dude. Get I'm, off." And me. He's like, "Okay, I'm at a pope. I get I'm off my nuts. I'm at a pope. I do not care." But, <laughs> okay. Well, no, I um. This was also she was hoping that it would be like. She makes this announcement, and then Louis would um, repent all his sins and then uh, quit having mistresses. That's not how it went down. That but, didn't happen. But it did not affect her role at court. Yeah, she wanted to stay at court and felt like the king needed her. And, to be, and he did. I mean, he was needy. Like, he was I needy. I think he did need her. I yeah. mean, she was, like, the only person that really understood him. I think... If they were just two regular people and he wasn't the king or whatever, they definitely would have been husband and wife. Oh, they, they were they so would've. compatible, and she was so good for him. She was, uh, she was made duchess by King yeah. Louis. Which she was like, okay, I'm not gonna be sleeping with you anymore. So I want to make sure that my position here at court is stable. And that's the so, highest rank out so of all of them. So he made her a duchess, and that's the highest you can make somebody. I mean, cause the next step up from duchess is princess, and so obviously you couldn't make her a princess. So. Yeah, and she was also so made. Her a duchess. She was a, ma- a lady in waiting for the queen, which I. I read it was actually the queen's ladies of the palace and yeah she was the 13th of them and that was a really high you know mostly nobility had those type of and i mean really so. all you did as a queen's lady in waiting was you would just follow the queen around if she had to make a trip here a trip there you just kind of followed her around and see just... i read that she had the title of lady in waiting but didn't actually do any of the duties <laughs> like she had the title and then she would go to like official like dinners and stuff with the queen but yeah, if the queen was, was like hey i need somebody to do my hair she was like i, I gotta yeah she, I, I read that she only <laughs> did like a couple of things with the queen where yeah. she was like taking partaking in the activities but yeah uh, um, how do you like honestly think that their relationship was um i think that at this point i mean she'd been around for so long at this point 
I bet her and the queen amicable. I think would be the best word for yeah. it. Like they weren't best friends. They were never going to be best friends, but they were fine. See, I th- I, my feeling is respectful. Yeah, like, that oh, would no. be my word. Oh no, Jimmy Fish like, was the, super respectful. I honestly see it as like the king was so needy. Yeah, and he needed somebody to direct him mm-hmm. that. He needed multiple women to tell him what I, to do. I bet the queen <laughs> did appreciate Madam's um, calming effect on the king. Oh, because no absolutely. one else had, no one before or since had ever been able to put him at ease like that. No, I totally I'm sure there was some resentment. I bet the queen wished that she would have been able to put the king at ease, but. He's needy. Like that like he yeah. needed he needed yeah. multiple people to calm him down. Yeah. And I mean he was a good stepfather to To um Fan Fan. Fan Fan. Uh, Alexandrine. Yeah, so he had taken on the role of stepfather and um but then little girl gets so she starts complaining of severe abdominal pains and then she starts to have convulsions. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm no doctor. Newsflash. Newsflash. I'm not a doctor. Breaking news. But if I were to diagnose her, she had severe abdominal pains and then she started having convulsions. So I would say appendicitis. It sounds like appendicitis, yeah. Like she had severe abdominal pains, it ruptured, she went into like septic shock and then mm. had convulsions and died. So it literally probably came on within a day. So, like it was just yeah. like, bam, she's she dead. died. And, well, when they first hear that she's sick, Louis sends every doctor he has to her. And, um... But unfortunately, the doctors back then, they were like, oh, let's let's bleed bleed, her. Let's let's leak some blood from her until she passes out. That was literally their only suggestion, was let's bleed (sighs) her. And it's like, oh, you're not... But, I mean, okay, we're not talking about (laughs) doctors in the 1700s. History is so frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But she dies at the age of 10. And before Madame can make it to her side, her dad, the dad made it there mm-hmm. and um frank fish who doted on her oh my god francois poisson poisson treated this little girl like there's a quote from madame being like why do grandparents have to dote so much on their grandchildren <laughs> because of how much frank fish treated this little girl like she was a princess he was brokenhearted and died, was it like a week later? Yeah. Like a week like, later. It's like 10 days, I think, was like, the exact number. To be honest, she just never fully, her health, like, she'd never been super healthy. Um, Madame the Pompadour, I'm talking about at this point, she'd never been super healthy, and her health really took a hit after losing her daughter and her dad. Like, I mean, bam, she was heartbroken. Bam. She was heartbroken. She didn't, like, eat anything for days. She didn't sleep for days. And she was actually quoted as saying, for me, happiness has died with my daughter. <laughs> so she was just devastated. But she had to bounce back. Yeah. She she had to. If she didn't, she could lose her... Like, court was vicious. If she was gone for too long, somebody else would convince the king to push her out of her official title or something. Or So she, she had to bounce back. And um, a duke called the Duke de Croix said the following of her and it just it's so sad to me he says i saw her for the first time since the death of her daughter a terrible blow from which i thought she would be devastated but as too much grief would have done harm to her looks i found her neither changed nor downcast 
I found her no less dashing. And yet, she had been deeply shaken, and she was in all likelihood as unhappy inside as she seemed happy without. Mm, poor girl. Poor, because like... I just wanted to pull through. Come through, girl. Uh, Come through. You can make it. You, you can make so it. So she takes a big hit to her health here, but she gets back up on her feet, and she she gets really into politics. There, This is whenever she really starts to thrust her influence over Louis mm-hmm. is where she starts to understand that she does have some sort of power to persuade him yeah. and be truthful with him because he always comes to her for advice and she gives him the honest truth. And so she does get involved in this really she's, political shit at the time. She's basically becomes the unofficial prime minister and foreign minister at this time as France enters into what is known as the Seven Years' War. And it's really complicated. It's so complicated. We're and not going to go in. It's like basically 23 years or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it was that. the Seven Years' War. It was really long And it war. was mainly just like France, Austria, and Britain all hating on each other. For what? Plus Prussia. Like yeah, it was for, just... what, for our madam, let's talk about it was France, Austria... Versus Britain and Prussia. And of course, Britain and France are fighting because they're always, always fighting. fighting. Um, it was, they, they came to be known as uh, the, the French, the Austrian, and the Russian actually yeah. all came to be known as the League of Three Petticoats. And the reason that I think that they were called this is because, okay, King Frederick II of Prussia was had this army. Prussia's like Germany. Yeah, it's Germany. And it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. His army was just getting larger and larger and taking up more land. And the Austrian queen, Maria Theresa... Which is Marie Antoinette's mom. Yeah. Oh. She was like, fuck, I have got to make an alliance mm-hmm. so that I can keep my land. So she goes to Madame de Pompadour and she also goes to Empress Elizabeth of Russia. Mm-hmm. And they make a pact... And that pact is called the League of the Three Petticoats. And the reason well, that was the unofficial pact. Unofficial of it. Like, pact, yeah. But not... yeah, and so it's these three women. It's the first time in history, basically, that these three women are calling the shots. They are running Europe. They are trying to get their land back. And they've made this pact together, and which I think is so impressive because, you know, Maria Theresa and... Um, Empress Elizabeth were actual like rulers, and she's just the queen's mistress. Yeah, but King Frederick, King Frederick actually, King Frederick the Second actually called her her petticoat Majesty. I love it. (laughs) It sounds petticoat Majesty band name. I call it (laughs) the petticoat Majesty. I mean, I I think that's where the petticoat, the three petticoats. Yeah, it it was like the three powerful women at that time. Yeah. And she was, like we said earlier, she was acting like the Prime Minister of France. She was brokering these huge deals between countries. And that's when in May 1st of 1756, they had the first Treaty of Versailles. Not not to be confused with the Treaty of Versailles after World War II. Yeah, because every time one. I would Google a Treaty of Versailles, it's I was like, one. I was like, oh, the first Treaty of Versailles. And basically in this one, Austria agrees to be neutral in the French and British conflict because France and Britain are always hating on each other. And France Taylor agrees. Hate, 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 hate. Oh, I wish Taylor Swift would quit coming up. <laughs> France agrees to respect Maria's territory, Maria Theresa, and, the, and in particular, it's like the Netherlands that they're trying to protect. And there's actually one bad clause in it that actually comes. 
comes back to haunt Madame de Pompadour on mm-hmm. this. And it's Article 6 that says that Austria and France will agree to aid one another if a foreign party comes and tries to attack them. Okay. And so what ends up happening is Austria <laughs> keeps getting attacked by Prussia. And so the French have to keep sending troops, uh, troops, troops, troops. And they keep having troops, to send troops, 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 troops on, troops, troops on, troops on, troops on. Everybody! Troops, 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 troops. And so that's why the French start to get so pissed off at this. Well, and also the French um, in the Seven Year War lose Louisiana. They lose a big chunk of Canada. They lose a lot of their holdings and land, um, money, yeah. people, power. And like they are just losing. You know what? It becomes very unpopular, but people can't walk around dissing the king. So they are like, everybody walks around dissing Madam. Because it's an easy target. Because they're not going to get their, they're not going to get sent to the guillotine for dissing her. And you like know? I said, France was broke. Like After this, they were, they were broke. broke as a joke. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Why is this royal mistress even involved in this shit anymore? Like, they get her all these fancy things and she's even costing us more Ugh. money. And the king is just fucking distraught after this. And Madame is quoting to tell him, after us, the deluge. Of everything that I have researched for Madame de Pompadour, this quote, like, kept me up at night. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and so, what... So, the deluge means, like, the biblical flood, like mm-hmm. Noah's Ark flood. And so, to me, it sounds very ominous because the next king, Louis the Sixteenth, is, you know, Marie Antoinette's husband, mm-hmm. where they got their heads cut off. So, when I first read that, I was thinking, is she psychic? How does she know that after us, there was that fortune teller. We're all going to get life. wiped out, Maybe you she know. Was so, what, but it's generally meant. <coughs> it's generally accepted that what she meant is like after us, when we're dead and gone, who the fuck cares what happens? Hmm. Which I dislike. See, I take it. Very... I, I take it the other way. The the first way that you said it is like after us, everything's going downhill. That's what I. But take. how would she know? Because she's been she's been in all these meetings with all these men yeah, and brokering she, all these deals and all these wars. She and couldn't know that, the, that they're going to get their heads cut off. The, the no, not that. Is gonna, but I think she knew that something bad was going to happen. Either way, it's very it's a very ominous statement, and that's what she tells him. We could and go I, down this rabbit hole for hours. And I guess that made him <laughs> feel better for whatever reason. I don't know why. But anyways, but. this also, you know, her dip in popularity, even further dip in popularity, took a toll on her health as well. Because yeah. everything for this poor girl, woman, takes a toll on her health. Yeah, she took, I mean, with the death of her daughter death and of her, daughter, her, her dad, father, this horrible, just, disastrous thing that the whole country is blaming on her, she gets sick. So in 1764, excuse me, she contracted tuberculosis, Mm -hmm. and a few months later it got worse, turned into pneumonia, and Louis was just totally distraught Distraught. at the the thought of losing her, and never... Spent, like, nights and days by her bedside. And so what I read is that every, like, the Dauphin was actually quoting, saying that every breath that she took was so painful... And that you could see that it was hurting her. And she ended up drawing her last breath on April 15th, 1764 at 7.30 p.m. Um, she was 42 years old, so she was a little young. Um, and it was on Palm Sunday. 
and the king was completely devastated. I read something where uh, there was a, a famous historian that was just watching him pace back and forth in his mansion, going out on his balcony, was his best friend. staring was off into space. And it, he said he had this religious stare where he was just looking off into space, and then he turned back to him, and there were these two large tears in his face. And he said to him, these are the only respects that I can Because pay he her. couldn't... Because Okay, so she... She died in Versailles, which was a no-no. Only nobility were... No, no, only the royal family were allowed to die in Versailles. So they had to rush her out. So she... He couldn't... He couldn't, like, accompany her body. He couldn't be, respect her. He couldn't the show her the respect. The only thing he could do is cry. Yeah, like, alone. Mm-hmm. Like, he couldn't... It was, so she it's had to be. So scandalous. It's, it, it was so, so scandalous, scandalous that she died in Versailles. So she had to be rushed away. He watched as her carriage was um, with her body in it taken away, and yeah, he was like, "This is the only tribute I can give my friend of twenty years," which that made me cry a little. I know, like he's literally saying, "Like I can't do anything for her except and cry." Then he couldn't attend her funeral because you know the rigid construct of nobility in um, France here. He couldn't. He couldn't just attend her funeral, and so he had to, again, watch from his balcony, and it was raining on the day uh, she was brought to her final resting place, and he said, pity the Marquis won't have, is it Marquess or Marquis? Marquis. Marquis won't have good weather for her final journey. And he he actually didn't take another mistress for For, a while. For like three years, I think. He was devastated. And it was Madame de Berry once he finally did, which I would really like to do an episode on her one day. Because she was... She was she was this whole other thing. Anyway, <laughs> so Madame de Pompadour, next to her daughter. yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah. And Voltaire said to uh, to some others of her death that he was very sad at the death of Madame de Pompadour. He was indeed indebted to her, and he mourns her out of gratitude. It seems absurd that while an ancient pin pusher, hardly able to walk, should still be alive, a beautiful woman in the midst of a splendid career should die at the age of forty-two. Well. Hey, at least if you gotta die somewhere, you may as well die at Versailles. <laughs> Even if you are whisked she, away a few minutes later, she went out in style. She had a legacy that she's considered on. like one of the most powerful women of the 18th century. She was the first unofficial like um, minister for any European country. It yeah, seems and like. the pompadour hairstyle, like Elvis Presley. That's, yeah, that's one of them. There, she had the pompadour hairstyle. It may be a rumor, but supposedly the marquee cut diamond was commissioned by Louis to resemble the shape of her mouth. Ah, didn't hear about yeah. that one. She was obviously a huge patron of the arts. She and did. just generally fucking fabulous. Yes. So let's let's raise our glass to Madame de Pompadour. You were fabulous, and we fucking love you, bitch. Cheers. Cheers. So thanks for listening, guys. If there's something you want to hear, hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. We're at queens underscore podcast. We're on uh, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Oh, and follow us on iTunes at Queens Podcast. All one word. Smush it together. All one word. Queens Podcast. Oh, leave us a review. We got our first review recently. Come on. It was so, It was so nice. Even, even if it's not a good review. Well, no. You know what? Wait until we have more reviews. <laughs> 
if you want to leave us a bad review. Wait until we at least have five good ones. <laughs> and you can follow us on Facebook at Queen's Podcast. Our intro music is by Kay Sparks featuring Beyond Belief. It's such a good song. Thanks for letting us use it. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, badges. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.